You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. You gave a team their first win in decades. You lost in the first round. You're a two-seed bust, and their name is Oral Roberts. The jokes. The jokes alone are going to kill you. Oh, Ohio State, a number two Falls to number 15, Oral Roberts in overtime, and truly the madness has begun. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Kelsey Riggs sitting in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Bunch of guests going to join us on the Goodyear hotline. But, Kelsey, uh, you heard the Westward One NCAA radio network call there, but I think you were probably watching that as well. Do we have a busted bracket on our hands on your end? I heard it. I felt it. I saw it. I am living it right now, Sarah. Uh, to be fair, I was actually living the bracket bust from the very first game of the day mm. when I picked Virginia Tech to beat Florida. Mm-hmm. So things really didn't start out very well for me. And it has, uh, it has been downhill from there. I'm looking at my bracket right now, which has like, you know, a few highlighted teams that have won and a lot of red pin scratching teams through because I was a firm believer that Ohio State was going to be in the lead eight and now there is a lot of red pin on my paper yeah you know what's nice about this year is that I so haphazardly made my brackets as to not even really remember what I did right like, so every time something happens I just have to go revisit and I am are you a bracket of integrity person no okay neither am I so yeah. I'm like all right well I know that I had uh I had uh, Florida beating Oral Roberts, and that's not going to work out well because neither of those teams are. You know, yeah. I, uh, you know, it's it's just it's it's not great. It's it's um it's not going to be pretty, but at least I'm not going to even know how bad the losses are until I go check the various brackets to see the damage done. Uh, Kelsey Riggs, as I said, sitting in for Fitz tonight. Let's let's introduce yourself to the people. Uh, they know now that your bracket is busted. What else do they need to know about you for this Friday show? I mean, to be fair, that's probably the most important thing that I told everybody to follow my bracket and definitely you don't want to do that. That was bad <laughs> advice right from the start. I apologize for that. Normally, I give pretty I guess okay advice and updates on ACC Network. I'm a studio host there and a sideline reporter there and then do a lot of stuff with women's basketball studio shows as well. So it's been a, a busy few months for sure but I'm excited to have a bracket that's busted Sarah because we made it we did we made it to having a tournament at all and uh, now I am perusing my brackets and I certainly did have Ohio State taking a a pretty lengthy trip okay good we're in this together I feel good about this yeah we're both screwed Uh, at least uh, I have a handful of friends that all went to Michigan State and uh, their brackets are really that's (laughs) yeah that's not great for them Um, (laughs) so uh, ACC, does that mean that you made a lot of picks also based on your allegiance? Yeah. There? Well, mm. listen, I would like to say <laughs> that I pick with my brain and my heart, Sarah, and my loyalty. Um, I did. I picked Virginia Tech. As I said, they were the first game. I was excited. We had an ACC team tipping things off this year in March Madness. They lost to Florida, so that hurt. And then the one that hurt even more, I was really, really excited about this Georgia Tech team. Now, I did have them losing in the second round to Illinois, but that's neither here nor there because they just <laughs> lost a sister Jean and Loyola Chicago. I was, th- this Georgia Tech team is so fun. They have so much personality. So I was thinking, you know, this is the time of year where people don't just fall in love with the skill, right? You fall in love with the stories and what mm-hmm. you see and the celebrations. And this is a team that has that. And they were without their best player today due to uh, COVID protocols. And they lost. But I mean, everybody wins because we get more sister Jean. So I guess it is win win for everything except for my bracket right now. Yeah, I have to admit, you know, Loyal is a good story here in my parts in Chicago. But of course, they go right up against Illinois, yeah. which is a big bummer because Illinois, you know, it's been a while since they've been anywhere near as good as as this year with the such high expectations. We don't want to see Loyola bumped, but we also, <laughs> of course, want Illinois to make a deep run and, and keep that excitement around around here as well. So um, I'm going to be in the same boat as you, though, where it's like my heart, my brain, and my loyalties are all going to be in conflict as the brackets continue. Yeah. It's Bain and Fitz. Uh, Kelsey Riggs uh, sitting in for Fitz tonight. Um, do you think that this early loss uh, from Ohio State 
Is any sort of hint at what's to come? Are you expecting a very weird year full of upsets, or do you think everything is going to be righted and this is just sort of the one-off of the early rounds that gets bounced? Oh, no way. This is the only one. And and mm-hmm. I wish that my bracket reflected that because every year I look at these upsets and I, I, mean, I look at these brackets and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it this year. This is the year I'm going to pick some big-time upsets and I have you know the number nine seed knocking off the number eight seed and feel like I'm doing a big thing. And then I start watching watching these games and you're cheering for the 15 seed and the 16 seed and you're cheering against your bracket because I'm not ever brave enough to pick them. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of it this year. Sarah, I was in Charlotte in 2018 when UMBC beat Virginia for that upset. Uh, the first time that happened with a, a number one seed falling to a number 16 seed. And mm-hmm. I hope we get more of that because it is just, I mean, you saw it today even with Ohio State going down and the reaction from Oral Roberts and what it means to, to some of these teams that not a lot of people believe in. And that's, I think, what makes this time of year so great. And if 2020 and 2021 are any indication for what March Madness will look like, then I would imagine that it is going going to be just the first of many things that we didn't expect to happen in this tournament. I guess I'm torn on that. And we talk about this every year because the upsets are really fun in the moment. Even if they bust my bracket, like I never have super high hopes for my bracket anyway. Like I'm very rarely in the mix. So I'm okay when my bracket gets busted. I put a couple, couple uh, bracket groups that I put in a couple, you know, 20 bucks a piece. I'm never like, you know, really losing anything serious on it. I'm um, assuming that that's legal, and if not, I'm joking, and it's for entertainment purposes. Either way, <laughs> I just covering all my bases here at this point. Um, but I, I, I think that's exciting. But later on, you kind of want the studs, right? Like, I mean, it's exciting to see those upsets early, but I don't know that I want to see Oral Roberts Gonzaga in the final. You know what I mean? Like, I, at some point, I do want it to get whittled down so that the tops. I love at least one or two surprises in an in a Sweet Sixteen and an Elite Eight because it's such a fun story to get to know the players in the school that you haven't heard of all year, but. As long as the product's still good. Yeah, because you start looking further down the line, you know, like where I'm saying that I may or may not have Ohio State potentially going to the Elite Eight and playing Baylor, and you start thinking, does a matchup against Oral Roberts look quite as fun as Baylor? And, And you wonder, like, when is the magic going to run out for a lot of these teams? And I think that's what ends up feeling inevitable, is like we're all riding the high of that upset was so fun, but then the reality is, okay, so so now what? Later on, how far are they going to make? it and when they don't it's like well we do want a good game so hopefully we get a ton of that I'm sure I'm sure with the madness that we've already seen on day one that there will be quite a few more tricks up team sleeves you're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast joining us now the legendary two-time Olympic gold medalist two-time World Cup champion coach broadcaster queen of the sports bra Brandy Chastain Brandy thanks for the time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a new title thank you very much <laughs> um i'm so how, excited to get to chat going? with you well we're doing great it's a friday here so we're excited about that and watching tournament stuff and, and just getting excited for what feels like a little bit more normalcy as we head into spring and summer for sports you know i was looking at your resume as i was getting ready for this and i was seeing all the teams you played professionally for outside of your u.s national team stuff and it's in the WUSA, in the WPS, in the WPSL, the constant iterations of the of pro women's sports. What does it mean to you to be looking now at the NWSL that's coming up on almost a decade? Oh, I am so excited about that. I can't tell you. I, you know, you know Julie Foudy obviously yeah. quite well, and you know the, the, you know the work that's been put in for so long uh, by so many to have women's soccer be not just sustain itself, but start to thrive. And I honestly am, I, I feel really confident in stating that I think the deepest reserve of greatness lies within women's soccer in the sports uh, environment. So I, I am pumped as can be, you know, I'm a part of a group that wants to bring a new team to the Bay area. So I'm nice. I am getting crazy about that because, you know, we were the first ever women's professional champs in the WSA, and we know that this area loves soccer, so um, it's everything is going in the right direction. 
Brandy, that's amazing. As uh, Sarah said, I am a huge soccer fan. I played my whole life. I actually um, I got to talk with Mia Hamm earlier this week for something we did on ACC Network. And now talking with you. So this is probably the best week professionally, personally <laughs> of my life. Just so we set the record straight. I'm not okay right now. Uh, but <laughs> but as, as you talk about some of these things that you've seen the women's game grow so much, one of the things that I think comes to mind is not just like women in soccer, but these little girls who look up to you guys like I did when I was a little girl watching, you know, the 99 team. What does it mean to you to continue to see so many women right now who are inspiring these young girls in, in their past? Well, I think, I, well, I'm in, incredibly encouraged by uh, the, the resiliency and the determination uh, and the courage that it takes to, you know, stand up and what I love right now beyond that is now there's, there's, there's a, a, a recognition of what is happening and it's undeniable. And this is the day we've all been waiting for, you know, when women will say, Nope, I'm not taking this as a great opportunity and I'm not just going to be grateful and do it for free. And yes, I deserve to have a playing field that is level and everybody nodding their head in agreement saying, yeah, that's right. Pay her. Um, she deserves it. And, and so, you know, this is not a conversation. It's been an exhaustive conversation. It's, you know, it started back before we even had a chance to play professional. And when you talk to Billie Jean King and her advocacy for all women to um, be the change makers that they want to see and, and, you know, create the places they want to play so this has not been a short road and the journey is still, you know, we're still in maybe the 16th mile of the marathon, but mm-hmm. uh, it, the, the, the perspective has changed. And I think the landscape of those watching has changed. Now the only thing we have to do is, is get women's sports to have uh, as much exposure in terms of the media um, because 96% to 4% is not good enough. Brandy Chastain, Hall of Famer, with us here on Spain and Fitz. Kelsey Riggs in for Fitz tonight. Let's talk about the Olympics. We just had Megan Rapino on, and, and we kind of talked to her about the safety issues that are still a concern of going to the Olympics. But from mm-hmm. your perspective as a former Olympian, how difficult is it with your mindset to reset for a year after what you had planned for as being your Olympic season? You know, I think that's a great question because I think initially when you think about the physical side of things, you know, that that usually comes fairly easily in the routine of things. So it would have been fine last year physically. Um, Then I think the mental part became the the interesting part because now you're having to think about, um, well, it's not happening. So there was this disappointment. But now I think it's the physical problem again, right? Can can someone like Megan or Carly or, you know, just one year out, I, I've heard um, Simone talk about, you know, one year later than what you were planning on. I mean, it changes things physically. So, um, you know, I, these are tremendous athletes. They are, you know, they, they're, they're super gifted and knowledgeable about what they need personally. And, and as, as the team has grown, you know, they've obviously found the key to their success. And so um, I'm hoping that that one year will give us a roster because the Olympics is different, Sarah. This Mm -hmm. is not a 24-player roster. This is an 18-player roster, and that will make it a little bit tighter uh, for people who might have been on the physical bubble um, uh, in 2020. So interesting. It will be interesting to see what the final roster is. Brandy, you have an impact on so many different things. One of the things that we want to talk to you about, though, as well, is that you've partnered up with Save the World. And tell us just a little bit mm-hmm. about what that is and what this company is doing to affect um, things down the road, make this world a better place. Yeah, you know, I, I feel as a, as a woman, uh, I have always been... Um, and I think as a woman, um, for all of us, you know, we feel like we wear many hats, right? We, you know, we're, we're the moms, we're the caretakers. We, you know, we, we're now working full-time jobs. We're, um, you know, we're doing everything. We're, we do everything. And so something that we can't deny, and I believe this belongs to everybody, but 
for me specifically in the caretaking space, it's what can we do to make our environment better? You know, whether that's creating a nonprofit, helping young girls, whether that's, you know, partnering up with um, organizations that um, help communities whether that's and Brandy, we're running out of are... time, so I'm so sorry oh, to like sorry. Uh, run you up against no, the end fine. here. But that's I want to make sure we tell everyone that they can go to savetheworldllc.com and find all these products that you're supporting because it is our future. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Excited about the NCAA tournament, men's and women's returning this season after missing out last year. But as we react to the initial scenes from the bubbles uh tough not to notice the inequities between what the men are dealing with in india and what the women have going on in texas we're going to bring in someone who can speak to being a solid and uh successful women's college hoops player and now being in a position to try to change the landscape for women's sports in general it's spain and fitz air spain jason fitz is out kelsey riggs is in on this friday and joining us now on the goodyear hotline uh new york liberty player the vp for the wnbpa lasia clarendon lasia thanks for the time oh yeah anything for you let's talk Okay, we've seen the quote-unquote equipment room that is one set of weights. We've seen the meals that are an aerated Salisbury steak-looking thing. (laughs) We've seen, uh, you know, the COVID testing that isn't even equal. And then you add to that that their argument for uh, uh, the dealing of... uh, of women in the in the coaches or otherwise that have children is that they count against the cap for who you bring in your travel party. If you have an infant who's breastfeeding, that takes a spot in the travel party, and you have a brand new baby. Laisha, what's your reaction to all of this? I mean, honestly, I thought it was a parody when I first saw it, yes. so I laughed. <laughs> I was like, oh, is like, and I had to fact check it first. I'm like, oh, is this someone, you know, Laughing at our oppression, I love to do that because you have to, right? Life is hard. And I quickly realized, oh, they're serious with all of this. And it just kept coming and coming. It was not an SNL skit. This is legit happening. And I think my um, initial response was like, this is what we're talking about with investment. It's not just about, it's about uh, the media coverage, the marketing dollars, the recognition and the support. And clearly, that's not happening on the women's side. Is You would never, ever, ever do that to the men's team because they expect more um, and women are so often used to expecting less honestly and frankly and it's really sad and we've just had to be happy and grateful and show up and be thankful we have a tournament in the bubble to play in but that's not what's happening anymore and I love this generation for calling the NCAA out. Yeah I couldn't agree with you more because it's it's finally to a point where everyone is surprised. You do expect more. This is not okay that you're just happy to be there. It's so much more. And we saw last year with the WNBA, I mean, you were part of a group that had an impact on so many different things. When you look at what's happening right now in the college level with the women's game right now versus the men, I mean, feasible steps that we could take, what what are they to try and enact this change at the collegiate level? I mean, they're everything the NCAA one just messed up because I'm sick and tired of these like think tanks. We sit around. What can we do to help women? It's like treat <laughs> us equally. So invest. OK, if you have to like do a blind test and be like, oh, just pretend we're putting on two men's tournaments and let's put in the <laughs> right. same investment, the same swag tag, the same amount of weight because they're both athletes, both groups of athletes who do this at the highest level in college, who've worked their butts off to make it this far. That's what you can do. And I'm so, so tired of, you know, this question and people in terms of the NCAA acting like they don't know how to truly make this equal because even logistically, there was like 10 dumbbells. Did they think like there was only eight (laughs) players on a team? Like it it doesn't even add up. And I can't believe it really got to that point. Lasia Clarendon with us here on Spain and Fitz. Kelsey Riggs in for Fitz tonight. Um, you know, a lot of people in Mamanchis the last couple of days basically say this makes sense. The men's basketball tournament brings in tons more revenue. But, Leisha, we can't argue revenue in an amateur nonprofit sport, right? <laughs> if we're then going to not apply any of the same logic when we argue why we can't pay players, right? I mean, it's. I know we all know this. I know it's like beating our heads against a wall the number of times they're hypocritical and they contradict themselves. But they have to at least pretend that it's equal, seeing as Title IX exists and seeing as they are constantly advocating for, you know, respect women and they mean so much. And then they do this. 
Exactly. You nailed it on the head. I think one is like, especially men are the ones who make this argument, who jump to say like, you know, obviously Swaggy P, a.k.a. Nick Young was like, y'all are the JV team. Of course we should make more. One, the NCAA is a nonprofit organization, a.k.a. they're really for profit, but that's, (laughs) you know, their tax code. And two is that I wish men realized, and particularly even the college men who have come through the ranks, that our oppression is more linked than they realize. So the NCAA can still use Steph Curry's image for a lifetime from him being at Davis. Cal can still use my image forever and ever and ever, and the NCAA can. And so we start to look right and left to say, like, well, I'm going to protect and make sure, like, we do deserve this as men instead of looking up and being like, wait, the NCAA actually oppresses all of their student athletes and exploits them. They give opportunities, but that comes with a cost of our time, our labor, our bodies. We actually perform for these scholarships. They're not free athletic scholarships. And so I wish we realized how much our oppression is actually linked and look at the real problem. And it's the structure of the NCAA and how they have existed. Um, we've existed underneath them as the faux guys of amateur sports. It's something that I know hopefully over at least the next couple of years is changed drastically because there's so much that needs to happen there. Laisha, let's talk about the WNBA and the plans that you guys have. I know that this is the 25th season and there's a campaign, the Count It campaign now that's out. There was so much good that you were able to do off the court last year. And what are some of the things right now on your agenda that you'd really like to continue to see happen this season? We're trying to focus right now a ton on the vaccine um, and educate our players first and foremost on that and give them opportunities to know if they want the vaccine and try and help them get it as it's available to the larger population because um, and to educate folks on why they should get the vaccine is it's really affected, obviously, a lot of black and brown um, populations um, at a really high rate. and It's been really sad. And so that is a social justice issue and a public health issue. And then, two, we're having a lot of thoughtful conversations around the national anthem and the asking questions of like, does it exist in our sport? Should we be the first league to get rid of the national anthem and move towards something else? Why did we start playing the national anthem in sports in the first place? Um, And of course, looking at continuing our work around the say her name campaign and how we continue to highlight women um, who face a lot of injustice. Laisha Clarendon with us on Spain and Fitz, Kelsey Riggs filling in for Fitz. Uh, Please follow Laisha because she crushes it. Somehow there was a, there was a ghost in my Twitter, and I just went to like remind myself of your handle, and I wasn't following you, so that's messed up, and it wasn't me. What? It was a ghost. I was clearly <laughs> following you before, so something happened, but it's at Lasia C, and that's also their handle on Instagram, so make sure just tremendous content at all times, and now there's a baby involved, too, in the content, so please <laughs> tell me how that is going. Um, being a new parent. Oh, my God. It's it's an experience. It's the most amazing experience I've ever had, but that's the best way I can put it. As an athlete who spends a lot of their time doing <laughs> my own things, um, our baby has definitely like stretched my wife and I. We like to sleep a lot and you know do our own thing, and now we're like trying to navigate new parenthood. But there's so much joy um, in it. So many smiles in this, you know, especially in COVID, while we're still in this pandemic, that they really just make you present in the moment. And so it's been a blast, and I can't wait to, you know, have them at some basketball games. Well, also follow Mrs. Clarendon, Jessica oh, yeah. Clarendon. Um, speaking of tremendous content, she's amazing as well, at Jessica Clarendon. Really quick, I also wanted to ask you, tell me, take me to that moment of uh, of uh, Raphael Warnock winning. The amount of work put mm-hmm. in by the WNBA last year to try to enact change in a meaningful way that would actually affect policy in the future was unbelievable, the likes of which we've never seen in sports. So can you take me to where you were and what it was like to find out he won? I was at home, sheltering in place, of course. And I I mean, I was ecstatic that it happened. I won. I wish I was a much more petty person. I really wish I could be this type of person on Twitter because I had, like, all the petty responses, but I was like, I'm going to keep it classy, you know, and I just set them to my wife and, like, text it to my friends, you know about like how it started, how it's going. And my wife actually shared one of those on Twitter. It was amazing. Um, so it was the ultimate clap back and revenge. And I felt really good in that pettiness of like, you don't belong in our league and I'm glad you're gone. And we took your sentence <laughs> that you never earned. So I'll just be a little petty on the radio. And I also just felt overjoyed at like the power of athletes and the power of the people in our league that we were able to organize and like affect history because we read about these historical figures 
especially I read about a lot of like black queer historical figures who changed the world. And you just, you can see yourself aligned that you're just actually a pretty ordinary person who showed up like anyone else, but like had the courage and the tenacity mm-hmm. and the organizational skills that we've learned to do something like this. And it felt really special. I think it's still honestly sinking in. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Joining us now, someone whose bracket is presumably looking pretty good because he probably chose his own team. Loyola Chicago head coach Porter Mosier. Coach, thanks for the time. Hey, Sarah, no problem. Thanks for having me. An exciting win once again, but this is old hat. First round stuff means nothing to you guys, right? I mean, are the nerves just not the same? No, you're wrong. No, okay. (laughs) No, no. You got to enjoy it. Everyone, everyone's so hard. Everyone's so hard. So, you know, we, we, I will say this, uh, you're right about the mentality though. You come in here, you can't just be happy to be here. You got to come in here with the mentality. You want to win. You want to win in advance. So as, as happy as I am and as much as we expected to come in here and, and, and grind this thing out, it was, it was something that we, you know, you don't, um, you know, you just can't take it for granted and not enjoy it. And uh, these, we're just eating dinner right now with the guys and they're, they're excited, but then they're, they're ready to get locked in again tonight uh, on a very, very, <laughs> one of the top teams in the country with Illinois. Right. Coach, I, I know you, you just touched on it. You'd be excited to be here no matter the circumstance. You want to win all the time. But to be here in this season where we do get this tournament again and to come out with this team and get a win, I mean, just how much does each moment mean right now? You know, just for us, you know, to 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 be here um, and see the fans and to do this all year. It's been a year like in Chicago at Loyola, we've had zero fans. Uh, we got some at, at Arch Madness, um, but then here to see the, we had a huge, I thought, following to see friends and family. But to get in this, this stage, this is what it's all about. This is why you're, you're doing it. And to get in this stage, so to play in front of your fans and, and, and to win in advance, that's, what, that's, a, that's just a great thing. These kids have overcome so much adversity this year. So many times they've had to pivot through so many different issues. And to have this reward, to, to have this a tournament go on, it's why they grind so hard. And uh, just blessed and grateful to everyone that's made this possible, to, this tournament to go on, and it's going on great. It's Spade and Fitz. Kelsey Riggs in for Fitz tonight. We're talking to Loyola Chicago head coach Porter Mosier. His Ramblers beat Georgia Tech 71-60 today in the first round. You mentioned Illinois. This is a bummer because for Chicago, you know, it's such a melting pot of teams. There's fans of every single Midwest squad, but it felt like I want to see both of those squads go a little bit deeper. Is it matter any at all to you who you're facing next and the fact that it is an in-state rival? You know, you have no control over it, but I'll say this. I'm from Illinois, grew up, born and raised there. And to see the, the there's so many passionate people about basketball in the city of Chicago, whether it's high school coaches, whether it's the fans, and to see us get back to get two ranked teams, two ranked teams to get to be able to punch a ticket to the Sweet 16. Um, so I can't worry about saying, oh, I wish Illinois was on the other bracket. There, you know, you can't, you know, you can't play that game. I'm just saying for the state of Illinois, two ranked teams, you know, and uh, to be able to go into this thing, to punch a ticket to Sweet 16, I think it's great because the, because the state and the city of Chicago are so incredibly passionate about basketball. You mentioned the fans and the atmosphere, and you could actually hear it through the broadcast today, which was really cool because I don't think we've got a whole lot of that throughout this year. Somebody else that I have to ask you about that was in the stands was, of course, Sister Jean. And as someone who um, mm-hmm. has never had the opportunity to meet or speak to her, I've just got to know about the magic behind her. And is she as great as we all feel she is? You know, she's amazing. I mean, just to be 101, and I get an email from her. I've already got a text and email from her tonight from the game so she'll sit there and she'll email everybody what are the and, notes you know, what is she, funny, what did she have to say <laughs> well tonight she was she was happy tonight so i feel good um, but it was it was it was funny because we had won like five or six games by like 20 points earlier in the conference year and we one came down and we lost we won but it was like like three points or something and she emailed me hey good win porter um a little close but uh that's okay I'm like, Dang. <laughs> but uh she's She's amazing with the guys and how sharp and bright she is. And, um, you know, she's been on like triple security lockdown this whole pandemic. So we haven't seen her face to face. Today's the first game she's been to. Um, But, you know, she's even before she was famous, she did all this and she was a big part of who we are. 
Yeah, I'm a sister Jean hipster because I actually interviewed her a year before she blew up with your team. So I like to think that I was on board the sister Jean train. Well, <laughs> you broke everybody it. Else. You, you broke yeah. it, huh? Yes, everybody else just jumped <laughs> hey. on. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz. We're talking to Porter Mosier, head coach of Loyola Chicago, got their first win today in the tournament over Georgia Tech. So we saw a lot of what has found success for you guys um, all this season. You lead the nation in scoring defense. You clogged up the paint. You made it difficult for Georgia Tech to drive to the hoop. Is strategy similar facing this Illinois team, or how different is the game plan? You know what? I'll, I'm going to dig into it now. I mean, I'll, I'll jump on here tomorrow. I'll, I'll be more prepared to answer that one. I've, I've seen, I've watched Illinois as a fan because I'm from Illinois. I've seen them throughout the year, and I just marvel. They're just an out, unbelievable team. And uh, you know, we, I was just so um, wrapped up in Georgia Tech, and my mind is there. I'll be all over here in the hours to come tonight, and in the early hours of the morning. Um, I mean, obviously, you've got the two All-Americans, Io and Kofi, so they got a lot of other pieces. I mean, Miller, Cabello, they got uh, Monte Williams. They got, they got so many pieces that they, you know, Frazier, they got a lot of guys. Um, but we'll dig in into the strategy and everything. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be digging in that tonight. Coach, what is that mindset like, though? Because it is such a, a different scenario where you are so all-in on Georgia Tech, and now you've got to quickly turn it off and get all-in on Illinois, and then hopefully the day after that you'll start thinking about what's next. I mean, what is that mindset tournament time like for you guys? So how, how we do it, and we've been here before, um, a little last time, and, and, uh, and it's like that in the conference tournament is, you know, so I'll, I'll have two of my assistants. Uh, they've, been, they've been working on Illinois. So they've, they've been – so we're just not watching our first piece of tape right now. They've, for the past four or five days, they've been completely breaking down. And they do the same thing. I'm sure everyone kind of does that with their staff. They break it up, and you get ready, so then they can all present it to me tonight, and uh, we'll go through that strategy and, and see what they're doing tonight. Well, we're super pumped to watch. Um, I'm I'm torn, to be honest with you. I mean, I think I think <laughs> I'm more of I, I, I listen. We've torn. had you on the show You're before. Chicago, I love Sarah. Sister You're Jean. In Chicago. You're right. I do, and I have a Sister Jean bobblehead, and I'm in Chicago. Um, and honestly, I'm not going to win any brackets. So just picking based on any bracket choices is not not wise anyway. Um, so I'm I'm gonna I'm, I'm going Loyola I'm going Loyola and Porter Moses with us here on Spain and Fitz Kelsey Riggs in for Fitz Hey before we let you go I wanted to ask you know we've been talking so much about the bubbles particularly the way the women's bubble seems to have been done um, last minute with almost no preparation What's it been like on your end How's the food How's it feel Does it feel safe and and ready and and comfortable You know I'll say that because my daughter's on the women's team here uh, at Loyola so they're not. Um, they're not in the NCAA tournament, they're in the CBI tournament. But, you know, I'm an advocate for women's sports, and not just because my daughter plays, but because I've just, it's just, I, it was disturbing to see a picture on Twitter of, of a couple of their, their um, resources and things set up that they had. Um, so I, I hope, I hope that, that is becoming a light. I've seen it a bunch on Twitter today, so I just wanted to say that. But for yeah. us, it's, um, it's, been, it's, it's different, but it's been fine. The, they've really been organized with the testing. We've got to test every day. The, the bubbles, you know, have been fine. You know, we're here. It's kind of like an AAU feel. Like, right. we're, in, we're in a hotel. Like, right now, we're in a, at the JW. It's all these ballrooms on three different floors. Like, you go down the ballroom, it's us, then Maryland, then LSU, then West Virginia. Then you go around the corner, it's Houston, Texas, Utah State, Oklahoma State. You go in the next place. You're just seeing everybody. You just walk through. It's like... That's fun. Seeing your coaching That's fun. And I'd, be, I'd be pranking everyone. I would be, uh, you know, <laughs> that would be my role on the team would be to make everybody uh, set alarms early and, uh, you know, buckets of water over the door. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Joining us now on the Goodyear hotline as guest of Palooza continues from the ACC network, famed former coach Muffet McGraw. Muffet, thanks for the time. You're welcome. What a day of upsets. I'm, I'm excited about this time of the year. Oh, my gosh. It's wild. The bracket busters have begun. We have yet to see if this is a trend in a very unprecedented year, as we say, or if it's going to level itself out. Um, and I want to get to that. But let's start with part of the reason we're having you on is that you are now still very much embedded in college basketball, but maybe not quite as beholden as someone who's still coaching and has to interact on an everyday basis with all the folks that are running things over in women's basketball. So I ask, what's your reaction as you see all these dispatches coming from the women's tournament where make it look like the very worst, they don't care at all, and I guess best-case scenario, uh, they just didn't plan ahead? You know, I'm really happy with the outrage that is coming from so many different directions. We've been fighting these battles kind of in secret, I think, for the last 30 years. And now it's out there, and it's obvious. Because of the way the tournaments are set this year, both 
you know, both in their bubbles, both 64 at one site. So you can really see the inequity. And I think that it is a, a great time to bring it to light. But I'm tired of excuses. Let's just mm-hmm. fix it. Coach, one of the things that, that we talked about just last week, you and I, on one of the shows we did, and it comes from the, the title of your new book, Expect More, and it has just really stuck with me because you say that, you know, women are so used to just showing up and, you know, oh, just be happy to be here. And it's about expecting more than that. Just explain why that's so important. Well, it is. You know, 20 years ago, we would have thought, oh, wow, thanks for giving us weights. That was so thoughtful of you. We really appreciate that. You know, and now we're, we're going, wait a minute, this isn't right. What do, what do the men have? And what do we have? We always made do. We always made it work. Uh, we never complained. And doggone it, now it's time for us to complain. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Gratitude is great. Gratitude and some more, please. What we deserve, please. Uh, Muffet McGraw from the ACC Network, longtime coach with us here on Spain and Fitz. Kelsey Riggs in for Fitz. You know, I was doing some digging into exactly what Title IX promises, and there's a lot of crossovers, obviously, with NCAA tournaments versus what the actual member schools are required to do. And there are ways that, in theory, you could have some lawsuits uh, on this. But even if it's not legally required, the idea that it would be so laughably inconsistent for the women versus the men who are each at the top of their game, I think is what sticks in my craw. And the argument that people will always use is that the women's tournament doesn't bring in the same revenue. But how can we possibly argue that a nonprofit, amateur, not unpaid labor uh, sport, we can use that argument to not pay them, but then flip it on its head and use a completely opposite statement to excuse why you'd spend so much more on the men? Exactly. And what about the allocation of resources, that differential, where the women can win the national championship and not get a single penny, and the men are rewarded for going to the first round? I mean, if you look at how this whole thing started, the men's tournament was announced. They put all their efforts into how we're going to make the men's tournament go. And then, oh, yeah, in a couple of weeks, we'll get, we'll get to the women. But why isn't there somebody at the NCAA who's looking at this, look at a checklist, and saying, hey, this is what we're doing for the men. Here's what we should do for the women. They are operating completely independently of each other. And what we need is collaboration and somebody to hold some kind of an internal review to say this process isn't working. That's a great point. And, and Sarah, as you said, when you have like these two things that are happening at the same time that you can compare and contrast, we've seen just how different things are between the men's bubble and the women's bubble. And sure, the weights look different and the food looks different. Coach Sarah and I have still been trying to figure out if this is like a meatloaf or, or what it was that the, the women were, were there, a Salisbury yeah. steak, what they were there eating. But what jumps off to me even more than just the food is also the testing. Because at the very base level in a year where these players have sacrificed so much all year long, being away from their families, being away from their friends, not having so many college moments that you would normally get just to play a game and to opt in and play a game. And then the testing isn't the same. That's something that that I think is baseline, like should be the same without a doubt. Exactly. You, You can't say our number one priority is the health and safety of the athletes and then treat them differently and give them better tests than the men. You can't say we're interested in the student athlete experience and then treat them completely differently and let them see it. The, 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 uh, the, the crazy thing is that it was as if they were hoping that no one noticed and now everybody's noticed and now they're going, oh gosh, what do we do now? Yeah, and that was my next question. You led me right into it. And Muffet McGraw is with us here from the ACC Network, longtime college basketball, one of the greatest college basketball coaches. What do you do next? You know all these people, Muffet, right? Like, you know these people who are signing their names to statements. You even know these commissioners of conferences who are saying, oh, I'm just hearing of this now. I can't make any statements, even though it's been over a day of talking about this. A lot of people sort of stepping away. Where does the responsibility for something this egregious fall? Because it's not just they don't have it as good. It's that you had one stationary bike and one weight tower for 64 teams. You had testing that doesn't stack up for all these women how do we hold people well, accountable and and leadership i mean it starts at the top and that's that's where we need to hear from the top we need to hear from mark emmerich saying this is this is what we did wrong and here's how we're going to fix it right now but how did it get to this point right. why did you not know that it was so inequitable how could you watch this happening and not see that and that is the problem that women have in every corporation in america is that we are just never treated the same, and we're operating with one hand tied behind our back, and it's just accepted, and that's what we have to change. 
Coach, I want to switch gears just for a second because you, you mentioned it off the top, the upsets and what it's been like. What, what's it like for you just kind of sitting back days away <laughs> from the women's game, tipping off on Sunday and kind of getting to enjoy outside of everything that we're talking about right now with the inequities, just college basketball? You know, it's a great time of the year. I always love this time of the year. But when, when we had really good teams, I would never cheer for the upsets. I would always cheer for the higher seeds. I, don't get this started. And then I thought, well, maybe if they lose, maybe maybe that'll protect us from losing. So I'm hoping that there's a lot of upsets on the women's side. We've got great parity. And now that we're all in one spot, without that home court advantage, I think we're going to see a lot of different outcomes. Moffitt, we know you've been working on basketball. You're broadcasting, working for the ACC Network. But beyond just the requirements of work, just how dug in were you on Notre Dame basketball this year? Oh, I, I was <laughs> I was living and dying with every shot and every turnover, and uh, it was so hard. They they kept chastising me on the network, saying you have to stop saying we when you're talking yeah, about Notre yeah. Dame, and uh, it's been hard. But I've kind of I got Kelsey Riggs helping me out. She is a pro. She's the best. There you go. You're so kind, well, Sarah. She I, I have to tell you, she has had to go on the air right after a heartbreaking loss ooh. at the buzzer, probably more times than you want to count this year coach and has been able to pull it all together so I'm always texting her afterwards like I'm sorry I know that was tough thanks for still answering my questions I mean I feel bad for her but I feel worse for Neil Ivy because you know those text messages are coming in hot every day Spain and Fitz the podcast we want to catch up on the Deshaun Watson story and Kelsey Fitz and I talked about this yesterday and really the main focus wasn't the details of the story because there are so few but rather uh, a word of caution to people who want to rush to make claims on either side. Uh, the predominant campaign in relation to sexual assault cases um, pushed by advocates and those who study them is start by believing, which is to say believe both sides. I know that's hard to say, but that respects both sides. And in cases like this, so often people's reaction, unlike any other crime, is to accuse the accuser of lying, which doesn't happen when you tell someone your car got stolen or your house got broken into, but it happens all the time in these cases. So we urged everyone to wait for more information. Today, we got some information. It's all in the same vein of what we've gotten before, but specifics from Houston lawyer Tony Busby, who is representing uh, the women. And here was the update he gave on the lawsuits. Now, as has been widely reported, we have filed lawsuits on behalf of seven women against Deshaun Watson for civil assault. And you should all know that before we filed the first lawsuit, I personally visited with uh, the plaintiff multiple times. Uh, I understood that this case uh, would generate a lot of interest. Uh, I wanted to make damn sure uh, that what she was saying was uh, plausible, was right and true. Um, And I was convinced uh, after visiting with her that she was telling the absolute truth. You should also know that we've also spoken to more than 10 additional women. So more than, more than 22 women that we've spoken to uh, who have reported conduct similar to that laid out in our public filings. This case has nothing to do with the Texans, has nothing to do with free agency, the timing. I don't know anything about that silliness, and I don't, frankly don't care about it. Texans are not a team that I follow. This case is instead about women, brave women, brave women who are willing to step forward knowing that they will be criticized and ostracized. So um, the takeaway from there is, of course, uh, stunning, uh, that kind of number, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Busby said that they've had contact with Deshaun Watson's agent and lawyer uh, for more than a month about these allegations. So there is, I guess, a belief that maybe uh, there were some some, uh, statements, at least internally or or not publicly put out that's how all these different women in such a short amount of time may have come forward and connected with busby um but what's your reaction uh, knowing how little information we really have beyond just accusations i i saw yesterday and heard when you and fitz were talking about it and saw what you put out on twitter about believe both sides and it was something that really stuck with me because to your point i i think that 
just us as people we're always looking for okay we need more information but we want to go ahead and pick a side that's how we're conditioned how well how do you feel about this or how do you feel about that and i think especially in cases like this and this one in particular without having all of the information it really is important to continue to listen and to continue to gather the information i mean we've heard from the nfl and their spokesman spokesman brian mccarthy saying you know the matter is under review as they continue to gather more information because obviously you know you you think of a name like this and you think okay what's next for him and his football career and everything and right now sarah i think it's just important that we figure out what the facts are and wait for that information to come out before you try to pick sides because it's not about who's right or who's wrong or which side you're on it's about getting the truth and it's about hearing people out when they say that there is or there is not a problem yeah, interestingly, too, um, what we usually see in these cases is when the names of alleged victims come out, people rush to find out everything they can learn about them, go to their social media right. accounts, Google their names, find ways to slander them for anything that's ever happened in their lives to make them unreliable uh, narrators and unsympathetic victims. We don't know the names of any of these women. So instead, people are kind of going after the lawyer and not without merit. There are some strange things, right? During the presser, uh, this this lawyer, Busby, said he doesn't care about the Texans, doesn't know anything about them, isn't interested in them. And yet he took out a billboard seven years ago urging his neighbor of the McNair family to mm-hmm. draft Johnny Manziel, creating a website for it. So it's just this very strange thing for him to say he needs to dispel rumors and that he lives near the McNairs but wouldn't recognize Cal or Hal or whatever his name is, coming from the same guy who said just in January on his Instagram, hey, remember seven years ago when I asked my neighbor, Hal McNair, to draft Johnny Manziel? Didn't happen. Those kind of things don't help because they just give people things to grab onto to argue that they have relevance to the accuracy of the accusations, and they're really unrelated. It's possible that you could be accurate in your accusation and choose a lawyer that has weird and disparate content on his Instagram and everything else from what he's saying and isn't trustworthy and everything else, or it could be a sign of a larger thing. And and that's why, to your point, again, we are going to be tempted based on the number of accusers or based on the lawyer for the women to make presumptions. And it's unfair to both sides. And I think just to your point about the Instagram stuff, even when I first heard about this case and the fact that the first place I'm having to go to see it is Instagram is just something Mm -hmm. that immediately you're like, wait, what? When, you know, when when a big news story happens, I'm going to news sources. I'm not going to Instagram. I might see it on Twitter, but then I'm going somewhere to verify it. And so just the whole way that this case started, you know, it felt like already people were saying, "Okay, wait, why is this starting on Instagram? Wait, who is this? What is this post about rather than just seeing it on ESPN.com to start? Now, that doesn't mean that that's a reason that you should discredit it, but that is certainly a reason that from the beginning, it just felt like, what is this case going to be? And that's why I feel like it's so important to continue to listen and to wait and to get all the facts, because from the start, it's been different with this lawyer. Yeah, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Jason Fitz is at Kelsey Riggs Film. And here's what Adam Schefter said this morning. I'm sorry, this afternoon on NFL Live about the NFL's version of this. It is now under under investigation with the NFL's personal conduct policy. The NFL has begun to look into it. They have notified the Texans that they are looking into this situation as it is. And obviously, Tony Busby has a wealth of information here that he is ready to cooperate with the NFL. Now, again, no criminal charges so far. So you wonder about that in this particular case. And obviously, the NFL is paying close attention to it. The Houston Texans are paying close attention to it. And teams across the league are paying close attention to it, considering that they already were jockeying for position to be able to trade for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it it just complicates everything, understanding that the NFL could put them on an exempt list. It's an off-season. These things can take a very long time to unravel and for any decisions to be made. All of that hovering over what was already a very strange situation. So rarely do we see this kind of holdout, this kind of demand from a player, especially one of Deshaun Watson's caliber. So we will continue to keep you updated. And again, I just urge everyone to educate themselves on these issues for this, but beyond that as well, and to understand the impact that even your, no matter who you are, social media activity can have on future reporting and everything else. 
You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Not on the Goodyear hotline, but joining us in person. You can hear mm-hmm. his laugh there. ESPN College basketball analyst Dalen, Dalen Cuff here with us, giving us the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Let's get into something off the top before we get to the upsets and stuff from the men's tournament. Um, the Queen, Dawn Staley, just posted a very uh, professional looking statement about the inequities going on at the tournament, including. How can an organization that claims to care about all member institutions, student-athlete experiences, have a copyrighted turn that only represents one gender? She's speaking, of course, of the March Madness being only for men's basketball, talking about the inequities, talking about how togetherness and equality was about convenience and a soundbite for the moment created after the murder of George Floyd. Goes on and on. Dallin, you're watching this. You're a college athlete. What do you make of it? Uh, I think it's, unfortunately, it's not that surprising, not surprising at all for for. For those that played women's sports or covered women's sports, I think it's it's pretty evident, and I think it's also it's it's intellectually dishonest to not we could we could acknowledge the economic realities that are different in men's and women's sports in terms of revenue generating. That has nothing to do with when you're an organizing body how you're supposed to treat those people that are playing within your organization, whether it's the NCAA or whether it's women's soccer had to fight. We obviously they went through their fight for equal pay, but the thing that was even more egregious to me was. The flights, men would get first-class flights back from Europe. The women would not. Women have to play on turf. The men did not. Per-game payouts were different. Like there, there are simple things that if you are supposed to be an organization representing all people under one banner, then everybody should have the same opportunities and same things put in front of them. It doesn't matter what the revenue generation is. Who cares? It's not the point. The point is you're trying to represent everybody, and clearly when you do things like this, it's, it's, it's obviously not equal. It's not right, and it's just stupid. Like I just don't understand how in the world... That like that got okayed. Whoever mm-hmm. looked at that and said, mm-hmm. "You know what? These are top tier athletes. This is exactly what they need to prepare their bodies for the the most the highest level they can play in college basketball." It's mind boggling to me. That's the thing. You look at it and you say, "Okay, the swag bag. That's one thing. the The weight situation is laughable. That it's I unreal. mean, that's like what you would get at a one star hotel and be excited about. There, this is supposed to be the biggest prize ever, and that's something that Don Staley says right there. Our team, all the teams here, they've earned and deserved at a minimum the same level of respect as the men. But down to take it a step further, when you start talking about food and nourishment and what these athletes are putting in their body. And COVID testing not yep. being the same. I mean, it just is such a huge inequity that it's like, where do you even start with how outraged people are? It, I mean, it's true. Actions speak louder than words. Yeah. And all the actions within it, from all these different people that went into this. So you can give the lip service about Title IX. You can talk about equality. You can talk about all these things you want to change. But clearly, this is, this is how the organization approached this, to your point, on, on like eight different fronts. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought this was fine. Because it's all the NCAA. And and, and, and where, and then this is a Mark Emmer finally today issued an apology, said this is unacceptable. Yesterday they sat back and let, let, uh, I forget the woman's name who runs that group, like let her take all the bullets. No, 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 no. You're the one that makes multi, multi million dollars a year. How about you stand up and take take, take the hit for your organization and say, this is on us. Mm -hmm. This is unacceptable. That's what Dawn said. She said, you know, uh, Mark Emmer and his team point blank chose to create the inequities. The real issue is not the weights or the swag bags. It's that they didn't think or do not think the women's players deserve the same amenities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's frustrating. And you know what? It's it's unfortunate because there is so much excitement about actually having a tournament, right? Yeah, yeah. And there was clearly a lot of work that went into these bubbles. Not as much work for the women, in particular some places that are very clearly not a focus for them, but it still took time and effort to put these together so we could be watching this. Let's talk about at least some of the games we've seen. You watched all of them today. I know we all were especially looking at Ohio State. Was that what stood out to you, or was it another one? For sure. I mean, that's only, I think, the ninth or tenth time that's happened since the tournament expanded to in 1985 and expanded to the 64 teams, where you have a, a two beating a five. I actually saw one in Pittsburgh in 1997. I saw mm. Coppa State beat South Carolina with my pops at the Civic Arena. Remember it well. Nice. Um, because you want to get you, you, you want to see those type of things. And that, that was, I actually did the Oral Roberts, I did the semi, Summit League, League Championship game. And at the end of the thing, I did say they could be a big problem for somebody in Indy. Did I think they were going to be a two seed? No, <laughs> but I thought I, because they play with pace and space. They have the nation's leading scorer in Max Acemus. They have the nation's leading duo in Acemus and Kevin O'Banner. And those dudes went for fifty nine tonight. So if you're Chris Holtman, you're Ohio State. You knew you had to shut down both or at least one of those guys or make it more difficult for them. They didn't do that. They didn't make their free throws. They turned it over sixteen times. I mean, Oral Roberts deserved to win that game. They didn't just skate by. They made more plays than Ohio State did. And Ohio State did made terrible decisions down the stretch. Dwayne Washington. Thought they tried to ride him too hard and not get EJ Liddell involved enough, especially in the last couple minutes. And credit Oral Roberts and Coach Suggs because they're moving on, man. And uh, 
Who knows what could happen next? I told Sarah I got to see UMBC in person take down Virginia yeah, wow. a couple of years ago, and that is a moment I will never forget. You just, the, I mean, this is what you love about the yeah. tournament. Down there's been I was in the double tree across the street, which we all know love and well. well, well when well, that well. happened? Screaming to myself. Yeah, I was like, in, <laughs> I was done for the night doing my sports center hands and stuff. I was yelling to myself in the hotel saying, this is going to happen. If you guys really want the full story, I was covering North Carolina. They had played. I left at halftime because I'm like, ah, whatever. Virginia's <laughs> going to win. And I called called an Uber with eight minutes left and I got in the car and I said, do you like college basketball? A number one seed is about to lose to a number 16 seed. I need you to drive and get me there fast. And he did. So credit to that fabulous Uber driver that got me back to see that and to talk about it today. Down credit there, to you telling the whole story now. There, you, yeah, you, you that's did really represent that. it. You I didn't saw know if we had time for it, but now that you brought up where <laughs> you were, I'm like, let me give you the whole yeah. the whole picture here. Um, <laughs> Dallin, we've seen some really good, some really close, some really overtime games too, which just gets, I think, everybody so excited about the level of competition that we'll maybe see throughout this entire tournament. Yeah, I hope it's a harbinger of things to come. I mean, last night kind of set the tone. We right. did see that. We saw comebacks. We saw overtime games. Uh, we saw last second shots with opportunities to win games. We saw more of that today. I mean, Virginia Tech hit a buzzer beater to send it to overtime after Florida missed, uh, Anthony DeRuji missed two free throws and Florida took control of that game. They took the control of the game the whole second half. Florida, Virginia Tech was lucky to have the opportunity and Naeem Aline took the opportunity and made it. Unfortunately, they couldn't get it done for, for any Hokies fans out there, but uh, it's, been, it's been a fun tournament. And right now, you got North Texas up five on Purdue. That's a 13-4 game. You've got Oklahoma State in Liberty. Liberty plus seven and a half. Liberty plus seven and a half. Uh, <laughs> down four with two and a half to go against Cade Cunningham in Oklahoma State. That's another 13-4. Um, you're going to see, I think, this, this throughout the, the today and the rest of tomorrow is a lot of just tight games. Yeah, I wonder, and we're talking to Dallin Cuff, ESPN College Basketball Analyst here on Spain and Fitz. Kelsey Riggs in for Fitz tonight. Do you think that early on we could tell anything about the trends for the rest of the tournament? I know we tend to apply things in hindsight, right? If it's wild and crazy, we'll say, of course, it's an unprecedented year. And if it's all chalk, we'll be like, of course, the cream rises mm-hmm. to the top. But do you anticipate seeing more upsets, or do you think that we're going to settle in and, and, and even out? I, I mean, every year there are a bunch of upsets, and you can they, they run all the numbers and stuff like that, where obviously there's 12, already has been a 12 over 5 Oregon State uh, beat uh, – Oregon State won. Yeah, thank you. They beat them earlier today. Um, but you, you, I think what, what I thought coming in, so not in hindsight, I did think with only the 25% fans, because to my point earlier about the two, when I was a 215 game, I remember being there and I remember cheering for Coppin State like I, like I knew what Coppin State yeah. was before I got there. <laughs> and I was going nuts. Uh, but that's what fans do. They jump on the underdog. Well, when there's less people there, I thought they would. the game pressure is enough. When those fans start going nuts, you can start feeling like guys get tight, make uncharacteristic plays like we saw at UVA. Where they, they they were taking shots with the five seconds in the shot clock. Yeah. Like, that's stuff they never do. They were just losing their minds. They were arguing with each other. They, all this stuff happens, and the crowd helps co- like close in on you. So I thought favorites may struggle more um, because of that. That might be a, be a factor. I mean, be, sorry, benefit more. But clearly, that hasn't been the case. So not with hindsight. I don't know what a trend is. I just thought that was interesting that it might happen, but we haven't really seen that. Some people have these multi-TV setups for this time of the year, Dallin. Like, we're sitting here, Sarah, right now watching eight TVs. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of setup you have at home right now. Oh, I'm, I'm in sure a it's... closet. So <laughs> Nice. Beautiful. It's um, great. But there watching are... some audio foam. <laughs> there are three <laughs> games tonight, Dallin. What are you looking forward to if you had to pick one? Syracuse, San Diego State, Moorhead State, West Virginia, Winthrop, Villanova. I'm excited for Winthrop, Villanova. That's. I think that's a good one to be excited for. I think a lot of people picked Winthrop. Who yeah. would you pick? I, of course, picked Winthrop. Sarah? Uh, I think I have too many brackets. She okay, you're one of those. All right, never mind. Never mind. You're right. Okay, then. Well, that's Zero it. Zero integrity, at what? least when it comes to brackets. Which is fair. If, I, if I wasn't actually had to put it on, they make we're all on ESPN.com. And all yeah. If it wasn't like my job to talk about it, then yeah. I used to have like seven or eight, too. I'm trying to win here, folks. I'm trying to win some money. I'm trying to win. That's right. I'm trying to hedge bets. Um, Winthrop, I think, is interesting. I know they, they, they've scored at a high level and they play a real fast pace, but Nova always gets their tempo. And I don't care that Colin Gillespie didn't play. I feel confident they're going to get their tempo. They have more talent. I think they're going to win that game, albeit close. I think Winthrop is getting six and a half points, so we'll see if it stays within that line. I didn't, I didn't partake in this. I just know the number. I'm mm-hmm. saying it's, it's not like a, a crazy upset if it happens, <laughs> even by Vegas standards. Uh, but I think it'll be a tight game, but I think Villanova wins that game. I'm interested in Syracuse-San Diego State, too. Uh, I love San Diego State's team. I have them in the Elite Eight. Um, they have, I think they fit well to break down the zone. The Syracuse will play that 2-3. I think they've got guys in the interior, Nathan Mensah. They've got good guards and Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle and others that can, that can score and get in that high post of the zone and be effective. Uh, and they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. So I think it would be hard for the Orange to score. But with a brand name like that, last time the Orange were a 10 seed, they went to the Sweet 16 uh, in 2016. So 
uh, I think a lot of folks will be interested in that game too. Sarah, he's breaking my heart because he's breaking my bracket even further with all of these picks right now. <laughs> but, but bear in mind, you realize I, I talk and say this with tremendous confidence, but I have no clue what's going to happen. I just like anybody else. Like, I don't know. I think I'm right or wrong all Flip day. A coin. Yeah. That's why I love the Jay Billis promotion for his bracket. I've never been wrong. I've right. never. I, just follow me. It's never been wrong. There you go. Uh, well, it's clear Dallin does this for a living, so that's why we bring him in to give us the good stuff. ESPN College Basketball Analyst Dallin Cuff. Thanks for the time, Dallin. Anytime. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. It is time to introduce Kelsey Riggs, who's in for Fitz, to Sports Tinder. We know sports. y'all. Tinder. That's right. Thank you, sexy voice man. We know on Fridays or Fridays, you guys are often swiping, making bad decisions. And even in a pandemic, you could still swipe from home and plan ahead. So we like to swipe along with you with something called Sports Tinder. We sometimes ask sports questions, sometimes unrelated to sports. If we agree with the statement, we swipe up and super like it. If we if we kind of agree, we swipe right, kind of disagree, swipe left. And if we really disagree, we swipe down because we hate it. Let's start with a totally not sports story <laughs> that I was cracking up at. So, Kelsey, uh, Utah is really cracking down on porn. And they are moving forward with a phone filter plan. Conservative lawmakers hoping that if they require all cell phones and tablets sold in the state to automatically block pornography, then no one will be able to find it. Do you think that this will work? I would just, first of all, like to go on the record that the reason that I had to search Utah porn on my work computer was because I was doing radio with Sarah Spain today. Just let the record show. show. And uh, I'm going to swipe down on this because swipe down. I, I hate it. disagree. It's, this is never going to work. Are you serious? And this guy's not going to get reelected either. Yeah, this is probably not going to work well for the reelection campaign. I'm going to swipe down. I hate it. This is sort of like, and I hate to make this connection because, you know, I think porn needs to be handled carefully, but is not the same as guns. But it's sort of like how Chicago has some of the strictest gun laws in the country, and yet we have plenty of gun violence. It's because everyone just goes right over to our neighbors in Indiana where they're like, would you like a gun? Right? (laughs) This is the same thing. Like, if I really wanted my tablet and my phone to have porn, I would just Order it from somewhere else. Like, it doesn't it say it, that it's not like it's just a phone. You can still get it on your computer in Utah. Yeah, are we course. just gonna like? Are we trying no, to pump up Apple and HP? Laptops. What are we doing? Yeah, it just. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like teaching abstinence. Uh, just telling people it doesn't exist and not to worry about it isn't gonna make people any less likely to engage. So, uh, not gonna happen. Uh, speaking of things that aren't going to happen. Today, I opened up my computer, having already given up on my Chicago Bears for this season and the foreseeable future (laughs) as they've signed Andy Dalton. They're getting rid of Kyle Fuller. They just look like a team ready for a giant, ugly, disastrous rebuild. And then I see Adam Schefter today refusing to let me forget, saying he doesn't think Russell Wilson staying in Seattle is a done deal and the Bears are still in on it. Keep watching the Bears when we get close to the draft. Should I have hope, Kelsey? Sarah, I would say that you should. Swipe right. Listen, anything Adam Schefter says goes, right? So even though your heart is like on the line, we're talking about Tinder right now, you're putting it all out there. Like, could you still have a chance? I mean, if Schefter says that there's a chance, there's still a chance, right? He shoots it to us straight. Listen, uh, there's a famous Ted Lasso episode called It's the Hope That Kills You. Uh, Uh, I haven't watched it yet, and I'm dying to. Oh, well, get on board. I know. Get on board. Uh, Those around Ted Lasso tell him it's the hope that kills you, and he says no. It's the lack of hope that kills you. You need to believe in miracles. You need to believe. And with that in mind, even Ted Lasso can't convince me I'm going to swipe. Swipe down. I hate it. No, I should not have any hope. It's the Bears. The Bears' only success is in being able to have almost an entire century franchise without any meaningful quarterback play. Like, they're going... I I compared it like the the game Hearts. The the goal of the game is to have as as few points as possible, but halfway through, if you realize that you're stacked with points, you try to shoot the moon, which is where you try to get all the points, and then you win for going oppo. That's what the Bears are doing at the quarterback. (laughs) They're like, let's see if we can have an entire franchise run with, like, Sid Luckman as the only reasonable guy at Signal Caller. I have no hope. It's very depressing, but at least once I decide to give up, it won't hurt as much. Thank you for taking me back to playing cards with my grandma in the same segment that we just talked about Utah. Shoot the moon. It's been a while. Uh, Be 
BYU hoops having the time of their lives despite getting COVID tested and getting stuck in elevators. These are not usually enjoyable things, but the team is bonding over a teammate getting stuck in an elevator, laughing their heads off as they're trying to pull apart the doors that could have him at any moment, and instead they're laughing about it. Then they did team introductions on their way to get COVID tests, uh, player introductions, having fun. I guess, are we rooting for BYU now? Uh, without a doubt, 100%, I'm going to... Swipe up. Super like. All the way up on this. You, If you <laughs> haven't seen the video yet, you need to get online and Google it because it is hysterical. Just watching the way, first of all, they handle the elevator situation and you can see like the terror at first on the poor guy's face, which would be mine too, Sarah, if I got stuck in an ele- <laughs> elevator. I would be terrified. How am I going to get out? What am I going to do? And the teamwork to pry it open while they're hysterically laughing and trying to basically squeeze him through this small tiny little crack and then having fun with covid i'm gonna tell you i've already said my bracket is totally busted right now i would like to take byu to at least the elite eight and that was not something that i had them doing i have them losing so yeah they were like a little too chill about it to be right? honest like guy was like kind of sticking his head through like is it enough room now and i'm like dude <laughs> if they let go it's not great um but i liked the attitude uh so i'm going to swipe right I'm not going to swipe all the way up, and here's why. Earlier in the show, I already promised Porter Mosier that I was rooting for Loyola, (laughs) which I haven't even decided if I lied to him or not because I still have Illinois winning in a couple brackets that I got some money on, and I don't have Loyola winning the whole thing in anything, so I'm really toward on that. Right. I'm financially invested there, and I don't want to be a double liar and say I'm also going to root for BYU when I know full well I'm not going to, even though they are a joy. Uh, so yes, but eh, not They're really. They're on different sides of the bracket, so you there can you just go. you can for, pull for, for them while, all the I way until yeah, there, there you, you go. go. Exactly. Um finally, uh UFC fighter collapsed at the weigh-in. I don't even know her name. It's too hard to say, but do you think it was the right move to call off the fight after she fainted during the weigh-in? Yes, yeah, Sarah, I am going to Swipe up. Super like. This is not something I would suggest watching after I just suggested watching the last one because this right. one is a lot not uh, not as enjoyable to watch. It's a lot tougher. Uh, you know, first and foremost, you just hope that she's okay and right. uh, certainly the right decision to call off the fight. She couldn't even stand there. It was really, yeah. really scary to watch. Weight cutting. Weight cutting is so dangerous. Yeah. And it's this fine line between getting it right and being ready and then what we saw today. So, yeah, absolutely. It's wiping up. That's the right decision. Tough to watch, and especially because they like tried to just put her right back on her feet. Like, you're good, you're good. And it was like, no, no, I'm not good. Hold down there. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.